0: This is Lynn Bolton, Artistic Director of the White Heron Theater on Nantucket. In the theater, we have a tradition. Whenever the stage goes dark between performances, we leave a single light burning in the house until the curtain can rise again. We call it a ghost light. And until we can all meet once more at White Heron, we're pleased to offer you something we like to call our ghost light series, original Nantucket radio drama created especially for you. Our White Heron audience.
1: In the summer of 1927, I didn't even know Nantucket was a real place. I'd only heard of it in that schoolyard limerick. You know the one. But I'm getting ahead of myself. You'll need to understand a few things about me if I'm going to explain what happened on Orange Street and how it changed my views on life and death. See, I really should have been dead years ago. Back in 1918, I served in France. The day before the war was to end, I almost met my maker. But the bullet hit the fellow next to me, and so a few days later, they buried him in the cemetery Père Lachaise instead of me. It's not something I like to talk about. I was just lucky, I guess. After that, I developed a bit of a penchant for laughing at death. When I got home, I needed a job. On the boardwalk at Coney Island, I met a lady who offered to help me talk to my dead mother for a small price. I saw through her scam right away and sold my little expose to the New York Republic. The readers ate it up. Soon, I was writing about fraudulent mediums and phony psychics on a regular basis. I got really good at it, too. Ectoplasm, table tipping, spirit writing, mesmerism. You name it, I could explain it. It was a noble calling, and it took me places. That's how I ended up on the ferry. See, there was a pair of sisters on Nantucket who claimed they could talk to the ghost of an old sailor who offered advice to the locals. Now, I couldn't let them get away with that, could I?
0: The Tipping Table, from the story by Blue Balliet, adapted for White Heron Radio Theater by Mark Shanahan.
2: First time crossing over. Pardon me. First time crossing over on the ferry to Nantucket. Uh, beats seasick is all. Can't even stare at the horizon with all this fog. <laughs> Don't worry. The Knobsca is a sturdy vessel, brand new too. We'll be on Nantucket soon. Home sweet home. Peter Benjamin. Ah, uh, John Hibbert. Pleased to meet you. You live on the island? All my life, <laughs> except for my time in the army. But it seems a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? It does indeed. You serve? I did. Now I can tell. It's in your eyes. You have that look like you've seen a few things, am I right? You know how it was. You were there. (laughs) Indeed. But we're the lucky ones. We came home. Where are you staying on island? The Ocean House Hotel on Broad Street, you know it? (laughs) (laughs) One of our finest. Beautiful brick building built by Jared Coffin himself. Coffin? There's a name ought to scare the children. Oh, Nantucketers aren't easily scared. We're a sturdy lot. So
1: I've read. Your little island was the whaling capital of the world at one time, wasn't it? Until the light bulb came along. (laughs) Ruined everything for us.
2: (laughs) I come from a long line of whalers. That That was the industry out here for generations. Now it's all tourists coming over by the boatload. No offense. We love our tourists. Oh, I'm not a tourist. I'm a writer. Oh... We have plenty of writers here on Nantucket. We've developed a real artist colony of sorts. That Benchley
1: fella, for one. Well, I'm not quite of his caliber, I'm afraid. I'm here to do a story for a second-rate newspaper. I'm told you have a couple of young ladies out here who perform seances. Ah, the Morris girls. You'll find them on Orange Street.
2: Go Thursdays. In my experience, Mr. Paddock is very chatty on Thursdays. Mr. Paddock? Their spirit friend. He's quite a character. He gave me a stock tip last week. Good one, too. Stock tip? Oh, come on, now. Oh, I see. You're not a believer. Mr. Hibbert, word to the wise. The island has a past which tends to linger. You do well to respect that while you're on Nantucket. Great. Thanks. I'll try to keep that in mind. Ah, we're here. We are? Sure. Look over there. Can you see that little blinking light? That Brant Point Lighthouse. Can't see anything through this fog. (laughs) Well, just because you can't see something doesn't mean it isn't there, now does it? (laughs) Have a pleasant stay, Mr. Hibbett. Perhaps I'll see you around town.
1: Nantucket was, well, how to describe it? A plump little comma of land 22 miles off the coast of Massachusetts. If you were looking for old-fashioned... Nantucka was the place for you. It was like the ferry was some kind of time machine that transported you from the roaring 20s back to the good old days of 18-something or other. There was a fair share of cars and electric lights, but otherwise the modern world had left this little place mostly untouched. It had a charm all its own, and the creakiest beds you ever slept in, especially at Jared Coffin's Ocean House Hotel. Next morning, I waited until what seemed a decent hour and hustled over the cobblestone streets to the other side of town to a handsome white clapboard house on Orange Street. Ugh, ah, maybe I'd come all this way for nothing. But you never wanted to wire ahead. Never good to let them know you're coming. It was always best to catch them off guard and... Yes? John, Hibbert, pleased to meet you. You...
0: You're probably here to see my granddaughters. Uh, Want to speak to the spirit, no doubt. I... Come back tonight.
1: Come back tonight? What was I supposed to do all day? Hang around the docks eating cups of chowder until...
3: Oh, Mr. Hibbert! Mr. Hibbert! Please don't go. You are Mr. Hibbert, aren't you? Yes. See? I told you, Catherine. We're so terribly sorry about Grandmother. You were right, Julia. Pay no attention to our
4: grandmother, Mr. Hibbert.
1: You're the Morris sisters?
4: We are. I'm Catherine. And I'm Julia, the older one. She's only a year older. I'm 15. She's 16. Almost 17. Oh, we're
3: so excited to
4: meet you. You are the gentleman from the New York Republic, right?
1: How did you know that? A ghost tell you?
4: Oh, goodness, no. Mr. Benjamin told us all about you this morning. You met him on the ferry yesterday.
1: Oh, yes, Mr. Benjamin. Nice fellow.
3: Is it true you're going to write about us in the newspaper? I might. Will there be a picture of us? We'll have to have our picture Julia. This is so exciting.
1: One step at a time.
3: Will you come back this evening? We're having some family friends over after dinner, and we'd love you to join us. A party? In a way. Thursdays, Catherine and I invite visitors to come and speak with Mr. Paddock. He loves to give advice. Think of a question you want to ask him. Seven o'clock?
1: That'll be fine. Oh, and how much is the entrance fee?
3: Entrance fee? To attend? Oh, heavens, we don't charge anything. Just come by.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What an act. I mean, don't get me wrong. They were two of the most instantly likable kids you'd ever want to meet. Free and easy, without a care in the world. I just... I couldn't stand them. They were charlatans under that sweet exterior, no question. They said they didn't charge money, but con artists always found a way to profit somehow. I knew I was being played. And I'd prove it. At seven o'clock, I was right back on Orange Street.
3: Oh, Mr. Hibbert, there you are. Catherine, he's here. Come on in. We were just listening to the phonograph in the parlor. Would you like some tea? Come in, come in. We
4: can introduce you to everyone. Don't be shy.
1: There was a doctor from Boston, a salesman from New Bedford, an island store owner, and his wife... The girl's grandmother and a few others sporting nervous smiles. But the girls, oh, they were charming. The very picture of a pair of perfect hostesses.
4: Well, you see, Grandmother lives here most of the year now. We stay with her during the summer. We are originally from Irvington on the Hudson. Do you know where that is? Grandmother is very strict. When we first get here each summer, she makes us wait three whole days to acclimate to the sea air before we're ever allowed
3: to swim. Can you believe that? Oh, have you been to the beach down at the jetties? You'll have to come with us. But only in the mornings. Grandmother says the afternoons at Jetty's Beach must be reserved for all the mainland tourists. Not that Julia and I go in for any of her snooty thinking. Nantucket is really a place for everyone to come together.
1: Even ghosts?
3: That's right. Even ghosts! (laughs) Well now, shall we get started?
1: And that's when things began to get interesting.
3: Everyone, please take a chair while Catherine and I sit here at our little tea table. It's an old birdcage table, we've been told. But we just use it for serving tea now, and for talking with Mr. Paddock. We'll need another person with us to make a triangle. Mr. Hibbert, would you?
1: No, no, I'll just sit over here in the corner and observe.
3: Leave him alone, Julia.
4: A reporter never wants to be the story, does he? Dr. Burke, would you be so kind?
1: Now, usually a medium will turn the lights down low. The better to disguise the trick. But these girls left the lights on. Everything was in full view.
3: It's really rather simple. Grandmother taught us how. Three of us sit here at our little three-legged table and lightly place our fingertips on top. We all concentrate and invite the spirit in. Then, we ask him questions... And the table will tilt on its shortest leg, and Mr. Paddock will answer us with a knocking sound, if he joins us. Are we ready?
1: This was always my favorite part of the whole shebang, the moment things got underway.
4: Shh. Shh. Is there a spirit here among us?
1: Whenever an act like this begins, there's a palpable sense of expectation.
3: Please, Mr. Paddock, are you here? Tap once for yes.
1: And what, tap twice for no?
3: We're here for you, Mr. Paddock.
1: Huh, the electric bulbs flickered. Nice touch.
4: Please, Mr. Paddock, we want to hear from you.
1: We waited. This was what I like to call the period of investment. You get your audience to wait long enough so they're dying for something. Anything to happen. And then, just when you can't take it anymore... Oh, good.
4: You are here.
1: The table had tipped on its slightly shorter leg. Absolutely, it did. But you have to understand, table tipping is very easy to cheat at. I wasn't immediately impressed.
3: We're so happy to hear from you, Mr. Paddock. Once for yes, twice for no. Are you well tonight?
1: The table had knocked pretty forcibly, like someone had pounded a fist on it. I couldn't see anyone exerting extra pressure. No wires, no fishing line. I could see all their feet. It was... it was a good act.
4: All right now, we have a very pressing question to start with, Mr. Paddock. Will any boys ask me and Julia to the Yacht Club dance this summer?
3: Now, Mr. Paddock, our guests have written some questions. You can spell out the answers. Wrap once for the letter A, twice for B, and so forth until we have it all figured out.
1: Oh, Lord. At that rate, we'd be sitting there till dawn.
3: Now then,
4: Mr. Nickerson would like to know if he and his wife are expecting a boy or a girl.
1: Apparently, the Nickersons were expecting a boy, and they were to name him Andrew. Andrew. The doctor from New Bedford was advised not to visit his sister in St. Louis this Christmas, and the fisherman was informed the upcoming scallop season would be profitable. It went on like this for an hour. Mr. Paddock liked to talk. I'll give him that. And some of his statements were pretty strange.
3: He says he doesn't care for the weeping stone. Whatever could he mean by that, Catherine? Oh, I know, Julia. Julia. Mr. Paddock, do you mean the
4: moist stone next to the chimney? It's always wet. Of course. I don't
3: like it either. Any more questions? A
1: little three-legged table tapped away all night like some kind of possessed Marconi machine. It was the nuttiest thing I'd ever seen.
3: Mr. Paddock, we have a guest here tonight from New York. A Mr. John Hibbert. He's going to write a story about you. Would you like to meet him?
1: That's... When it happened, the room grew extremely cold.
3: Did you feel that, Catherine?
1: The table kept tapping out its answer.
3: It's so cold in here. I can see my breath.
1: It happened without a warning. A terrible chill moved right through my body. It gripped me and wouldn't let go. A deep, freezing, teeth-chattering cold which kept me paralyzed... I couldn't breathe. I couldn't speak. I couldn't even hear anything. Just a pounding in my ears. It was the tapping.
3: Mr. Hibbert? Mr. Hibbert, are you all right? Help me, Catherine.
1: What? Yes, I'm fine. Well, what did Paddock say?
4: Oh, oh, I'm, I'm very sorry, Mr. Hibbert.
0: Mr. Paddock says I don't like him. I wish he'd go away. Everyone... My granddaughters are finished with the demonstration for this evening. Mr. Paddock has left us. I'm sure you can sense it, too. And so now, we say goodnight. Mr. Hibbert!
1: I can see myself out.
0: I, I hope you're not upset, Mr. Hibbert!
1: I don't know what you're up to, Miss Morris, but you and your sister certainly know how to entertain your guests. Good night. If Prohibition was still the law back on the mainland, somebody forgot to tell Nantucket. Commercial Wharf was wild with speakeasies and dance halls in the back of restaurants. The liquor was flowing freely. And just now, I needed a whiskey or two. Or ten. Ah, Mr. Hibbert.
2: Nice to see you again. Pull up a chair. Ah, Mr. Benjamin.
1: Didn't mean to spill. Excuse me. I'm at my limit, I guess.
2: (laughs) Getting into the island spirit, I see. Please, no more talk about
1: spirits tonight. Ah, you've met Mr. Paddock then. No, I've met two young ladies who put on quite a show. (laughs) And what if they're telling the truth? They're not. Or maybe they believe they are and the grandmother's behind the
2: whole thing. I don't know. Well, I do. (laughs) I know a few things about Paddock, even the girls don't. You see, my grandfather knew Paddock. What? Alec Paddock was a sailor, lived in that house in 1823, died there too. My grandfather was the one who found him. Paddock had hung himself in that front parlor right where that little tea table sits now. I never mentioned this to the girls, and yet I was present the first time he tapped out his full name. Now, you tell me how that's possible. Uh, Someone probably told them about him no reason they would have ever heard of him. The family's only owned the place a few years, but, but what happened in that house happened a long time ago, and very few people would even know about Alec Paddock all these years later. But I think Paddock seems... happy now. In death, he's, he's overcome whatever pain he kept bottled up in life. Surely you, of all people, can sympathize. What's that supposed to mean? I don't want to speak out of turn, Mr. Hibbert, but I think you're carrying something fairly heavy. Well, you don't have to talk about it, but I, I'm happy to listen if you'd like.
1: Get it off your chest. Yeah, two old soldiers telling stories, huh? All right. The day before armistice, I was on watch in the trenches. It was quiet until the firing started. A friend of mine, just a kid, really, 21 years, had a... Houston, Texas. He threw himself in front of the bullet that was meant for me. I held on to him. He was scared. It wasn't a peaceful death. I watched the life drain from his eyes until he was gone. And in that moment I felt certain of one thing in this life. When our time's up, it's up. This is all we get. There's nothing on the other side no matter what anyone says. I've made a career out of proving that. Or,
2: maybe you'd like to prove just the opposite. Find out you're wrong. I think you want to know your friend who died in your arms is safe now. That he's alright. He's found peace.
1: Just like Mr. Paddock has. Benjamin, I wish I believed. I do. It must be nice. Nice. But there's no such thing as ghosts. Oh, Mr. Hibbert, you may
2: not believe in ghosts, but I do believe you're a haunted man.
1: But <laughs> good night, sir. I hope you find some peace too. Back at the hotel, there was a note waiting for me at the front desk.
4: Dear Mr. Hibbert, my sister Julia and I were so terribly embarrassed by Mr. Paddock's behavior towards you tonight. You were a guest in our home. He had no right to speak to you so rudely. Ordinarily, Mr. Paddock is so very friendly. We made contact with him again shortly after you left, and he told us you had come to Nantucket to write a rather nasty story about us. We told him that we do not believe you would ever do such a thing. He has agreed to apologize. If you please, come visit us tomorrow evening. Mr. Paddock asks that you come at 7 o'clock sharp. Our grandmother will be out for dinner. You can speak with Mr. Paddock privately. Please keep this between us, as Grandmother wouldn't approve. Sincerely, Catherine Morris.
1: All right, Paddock. Let's talk. I spent the next day in my room, staring at the ceiling and nursing my hangover. By evening, a nor'easter was brewing. I hurried over to Orange Street, the wind licking my heels... The door had been left unlocked. The house was empty. A single light flickered in the hallway. The phonograph was playing in the parlor. I lifted the needle and walked over to the little tea table. I put my fingers on it and waited. All right, Paddock. I'm here. Where are you? Come on. Say something if you're real. Give me a sign. Julia! Julia! I'm coming. Where are you? Oh, Mr.
4: Hibbert, upstairs. Quickly, quickly. Oh, the floor just gave way. Help me, Mr. Hibbard. She's She's slipping. Please.
1: Careful now. Give me your hand, Julia. You're all right now. You're all right. Let's get you downstairs. (sighs) You're lucky you didn't break your neck, Julia. What were you doing up there?
3: Oh, we're such fools. Mr. Paddock once told us there was some kind of hidden treasure in the attic. But he warned us not to go looking for it. The attic is off limits.
4: But whenever Grandmother goes out, we climb up there and hunt about... Please don't put this in your story.
1: Girls, I'm not going to write any story. I'm sorry. I came here determined to write that you were a pair of liars, but I think you really believe in Paddock. Why should I take that away from you?
4: Of course we believe in him. Why can't you?
1: Because something terrible happened to me a long time ago, and I just can't seem to put it behind me. I wish... I wish I knew there was something more after this life. I wish I believed the way that you do.
3: Mr. Hibbert, if that's what you came to Nantucket looking for, we can help. I'm sure Mr. Paddock agrees. He's sitting here with us right now. Can't you feel him?
1: No, I can't.
3: Come, sit with me and Catherine over here. And place your fingertips on the tea table. Mr. Paddock, John Hibbert saved Julia's life tonight.
4: We owe him a little peace of mind. Will you help us?
1: The table... It's lifted off the ground for a moment. How are you doing this?
4: Oh, hush. now, Mr. Hibbert, think of a question. Now write down the answer and put it in your pocket. Something only you would know. Something which if Mr. Paddock could answer correctly, would make you believe.
1: All right. I have my question.
4: Fingers back on the table. Go ahead, Mr. Paddock.
1: The letters came gently, the table calmly tapping out an answer. After the first letter, tears came to my eyes. How could he have known... How could anybody have known?
3: Hmm. He's left. I don't feel him anymore. Oh, he'll probably come back tomorrow. At least we have our answer, but it's all gobbledygook to me. Does it make any sense to you, Catherine? I think this is a French word, isn't it? P e r e
4: l a c h a -A 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 I S E.
1: Père Lachaise. He spelled Père Lachaise. Exactly as I wrote on this slip of paper, I asked him where my friend was buried. He answered. There's no way he could have known.
3: Well, now there then. You're smiling. Are you happy?
1: Yes. I think I am. I am. Thank you, ladies.
3: Well, maybe you could write about that, if you like. How you came to believe at our little house on Orange Street in Nantucket. Oh, goodness. Mr. Hibbert,
4: I think you should get going before Grandmother comes home. We have a lot of explaining to do about the ceiling
3: and the attic. Thank you for coming by. Do stay in touch, Mr. Hibbert, will you?
1: Nantucket is a hard place to get to but a difficult place to leave I left the island a bit lighter than when I arrived I stopped writing about frauds and fakes much to my editor's displeasure instead I started writing about things that inspired me that gave me hope those stories didn't sell as well but I liked them better I got married had kids, even a grandkid now and last year I brought her to Nantucket We stood outside the house on Orange Street. The Morris family was long gone. The new owner was having a yard sale. She told me the house had been renovated recently and they'd found a box of old jewelry in the walls of the attic. And there was the little tea table, sitting on its side in the driveway, tipped over. One of the legs was missing. The short one. I bought the table for a song, and I repaired it. I sit at it every morning when I have breakfast and I always smile because I no longer laugh at death. I'm not afraid because I know there is something on the other side. Isn't that right? Thank you, Mr. Paddock.
0: The Tipping Table adapted by Mark Shanahan from the story by Blue Ballet, originally published in Nantucket Ghosts 44 True Accounts, with Jeremy Shamos as John Hibbert, Michael Kopko as Mr. Benjamin, Nina Hellman as Julia, and Mary Seidel as Catherine. The Tipping Table was directed by Mark Shanahan, with original music, sound design, and audio production by John Gramada. Nantucket Ghosts 44 True Accounts is published by Downey's Books and available at Mitchell's Book Corner, Nantucket Bookworks, and available for download on iBooks.